TC Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe and I'm here with TC Hill, author, natural health expert, producer. Centitarian. I'm, I'm the centitarian of podcasts. Because okay. we're almost to episode 100. Oh, okay. That's probably not the same as being a 100-year-old. But no, but we're getting close, y'all. Yeah. This is what, what is this, 99? What is episode this? 99. 99, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what happens when we hit the uh, 100 mark, y'all? Lots of stuff happens. Lots of prizes happen. Yeah. Will Schmidt's here to tell us all about the prizes. There's yeah. Heidi Pichotti, Will Schmidt. He's going to weigh in on the prices. We Can I say a free car? You can you say it. They won't oh. get it. It's fake. Yeah. But you can say I it. I better so get our, the free car. Among our free, fake prizes are a fake car, or a free car, and, and our ponies. fake personalities. And um, Kina will give you a foot massage. Oh, Those are the fake ones. Yeah, yeah, but go. there's going to be actual real prizes that people win on episode 100. 100. Those prizes are a $100 Amazon gift card. Amazing. Who doesn't want that? I want that. I yeah, hope I win. Yeah. You can get anything on Amazon. I, I put a review in there one time. Maybe you'll win. Good luck. Uh, free protein from um, Natural Selection Nutritionals. Our what if we all three powder? just win? Wow. Yeah, that'd, be, that'd be very <laughs> I want like, a protein. That'd be a coincidence. <laughs> we're pulling this name out of the hat. It's oh, T.C. Hale. Yeah, it's I Will. won the it's Skype Kenna. session with me. Oh, poor Nina didn't win anything. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. what's the Skype session, Will? The Skype session This is, is a real prize. Now, this is another real prize. This is a, an exercise therapy Skype session with me. So with, with my personal training clients, and for years I did just exercise therapy. Think of it like a custom yoga routine to fix your body alignment, which will help you get out of pain and improve flexibility and balance and reduce injury risks. And he'll help you improve your hairstyle. Yeah. So that's one prize. And then mm-hmm. we're going to give away one of our uh, 12-week fat loss courses. Awesome. It's going to be relaunched uh, at episode 100. And uh, we're also... Oh, we said the protein powder already. Those mm-hmm. are the four things, four mm-hmm. prizes mm-hmm. And, uh, that are awesome, all awesome. So to win those, all you got to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a, ra- a rating and re- or review a rating and review of the show. But a rave review, people. Oh, rave. If, it, if it's bad, they, you're they not don't win. <laughs> no, that's not how it goes. Obviously. You can leave whatever you want. <laughs> you can leave whatever you want. Uh, but um, but leave us a review because uh, that's how people are going to win. And if you've already left one, you're already entered into winning uh, one of those prizes. So it's going to be a good time. Come and on. if you haven't followed us on Facebook at Kick It In The Nuts, what's the holdup? You guys, come on. This is this is the hottest page in the world. Uh, this is where we talk about all the future shows. You guys can post any questions or you can even, you know, pitch an idea. Yeah, you can. And uh, so do that before our, our episode 100 because it's going to be a big party where we'll have a magician and a bounce house. Mm-hmm. All right. So today is another one of those Ask Tony question ask days. Ask Tony. Ask. Ask. What, do I have silent K's or what? You think that you do. Yeah. I don't... It's weird because when I say G's like I-N-G's, people tell me I sound Russian because I go ink. Like that <laughs> sing ink. Like this, I'm just all screwed up. Well, we knew that. Yeah. Place. We know that already. <laughs> so I need some, but maybe there's like some uh, voice lessons yeah. y'all maybe. can throw in there that I might win. Mm-hmm. All right, so ask Tony. This came from his blog post, and uh, these are just questions that people came up with. Yeah. So if you guys have questions or have a specific issue that you're dealing with that you want to know more about or have us kind of talk about in depth. 
can go to kickitinthenuts.com and just click on Ask Tony and submit mm-hmm. a question. I have an issue with Tony. Yeah. But I'll talk about it. You can ask it. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Kimika. Oh, Kimika. Hmm, she might be related. Probably not, but... Phoenix, I just started reading Kick Your Fat in the Nuts. I'm ready to get started. My problem is that I work the night shift. I'm not sure when to eat, when to stop eating carbs, etc. Help. I want to say Kamika. Who votes Kamika? That it's, who votes that it's Kamika? It might yeah. be Kamika. Or it might, yeah, my yeah, stresses on my emphasis and my yeah, salamis. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's all off. So I'm going to say Kamika, and if I'm saying that wrong, then you can just be like, Tony Kenna's always right. Mm. But that I don't think that's going to happen. Every time she mispronounces something, y'all correct her. She's been right. <laughs> so, Kamika, go listen to episode 96. It was just a few episodes ago. Where we talk a lot about shift work um, for some other things. But when it comes to when should I be eating carbs, I assume, you know, in the book, uh, in Kick Your Fat in the Nuts, we talk a lot about um, 3 p.m. carb cutoffs for uh, people who want to lose weight. And, and while Hers all we're... 3 a.m. maybe. Yeah. Well, hers could be, but um, we're, we're really just looking at helping insulin levels come down for part of the day so that your body can get out of the mode of you know storing fat or it can allow the body to access stored fat. Um, and it, it can only do that when insulin levels are lower. So it, it really is not about the clock. It's not a magical clock time. We even say in the book that if you wanted to flip that and only have your higher carb foods in the evening, that can be okay too. So don't view it as a clock thing. Just when we say be done with most of your carbs by 3 p.m., think about that you might wake up at 7 and have something for breakfast and maybe lunch. So that's just a period of the day that you're including your carbs. But you could do that at any time during the day. If, If you just wanted to do it from... 3 to 6 p.m., that would be okay, too. Um, You're just trying to give your body a long period, a long window where insulin can come down. And, like, so what if she sleeps all day and she wakes up at 8 or whatever and she's got to go in? 8 p.m.? Yeah, 8 at 12 o'clock at night or, you know. So if you wake up at midnight to to go into work, then that would be your breakfast. The start of your day, yeah. Yeah, and maybe you have carbs there at the start of your day, or maybe you put your carbs at the end of your day. And and just remember, don't get confused. When we talk about a 3 p.m. carb cutoff, we're not talking about cutting out all carbs. You know, broccoli has carbs in it. Spinach has carbs. We're just saying that if you're having any higher carb foods, which some people need to have, um, maybe you're having, you know, more sweet potatoes or butternut squash or fruit or things like that. Maybe you want to give a longer period of time where you're reducing that to accelerate weight loss if you have a lot of weight to lose, that you just want to expand that window of time. So don't restrict it to one part of the day, um, especially if you're doing shift work. Just try to give yourself, you know, I like to see somebody have a window either before they go to sleep or after they wake up where carbs are low so that window gets expanded by the time that you're sleeping does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah and i mean and it may be something with i don't know how adapted she is to her sleep pattern but sometimes people find that because carbs can help push the body to be more anabolic that having carbs uh, before they try to go to sleep helps them sleep which may be a, a big issue if you're trying to go to sleep in the morning like if you're working a night shift right so you might want to experiment with what helps you personally like feel the most energetic when you need to be energetic and and what helps you sleep when you need to sleep right and i see people both ways where 
they need to do more carbs at night to push themselves more anabolic. But if somebody is having insomnia because of low resources and they have carbs that are going to cause a spike and a crash in blood sugar, then they wake up and can't go back to sleep. So look at what your situation is. Listen to our episodes on insomnia if that's part of the problem for you too. But if you're just looking at the weight loss aspect, it doesn't have to be 3 o'clock. Just find yourself a long window where you can at least reduce those carbs um, to allow insulin to come down so that you can allow the weight loss to happen easier. All right. Here we go. Let's see. Where are we at? Oh, Sandy. How to combat toenail fungus and what else is is it doing to my body? Just paint over it. Yeah, if you have a good purple... Uh, toenail polish that seems to be the most effective at covering up uh, toenail fungus so next question (laughs) (laughs) we are helpful (laughs) so when we look at things like uh, fungal infections we do see that they are more common with someone who's leaning more catabolic that that type of imbalance can kind of set the body up for fungal and and bacterial issues that is not always the case it just seems that it's more frequent in that situation so if that's the case for you uh, you might want to look at where your chemistry is and say okay can I can I adjust some things so that my body is not so susceptible to this and um, there are a couple of natural tricks that you can try to like deal with it like you would if you were to buy some type of toenail fungus remedy thing. Um, We'll talk about those in a second, but let's talk a little bit about what is it doing to my body. And it it might be a viewpoint of, you know, a lot of people that deal with a lot of these toenail fungus issues are dealing with, you know, maybe fungal infections, candida type issues or something like that that's setting the body up to experience this issue. It's not always a case of, I showered at the gas station and I got fungus and you know some kind of yeah, but change your manicures and pedicures for sure. Change oh yeah, because they go somewhere else. They they might have supplied you with something Mm -hmm. gross. I mean, this I remember like when I was a kid, like my brother and I used to have athlete's foot all the time, and we were always like careful about like oh walking around without socks on or whatever. And now like it never ever ever happens, even if I were like walk barefoot in like my gross gym in Hollywood like it doesn't bother you and it really just depends on your own immune system and the reality is everyone has bacteria and fungus like all over their skin and you know like I one of my friends just finished med school and he said they did these swabs of their mouth and in their nose everyone has staph everyone has like strep bacteria like they're all in us there's a a party going on all the time a hundred percent of people so it's like what is going on in your cell's immune system, your body's immune system, to be able to keep things status quo? We should and also we should also go back to our OCD episode and tell those people don't listen to this episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my god. But um fungus is there to help break down decaying material. Like that's part of its role in the ecosystem. So if you're in a catabolic state, you are part of that breaking down material. You're the captain of breaking down. Yeah, that's your tissue is degrading, so fungus comes in to help recycle you and turn you back into dirt. You know, <laughs> right? So you want to help maintain like the health of the living state of your cells by 
doing all the things we talk about normally to help keep them nourished and help them have the resources they need and the ability to make energy the way that they need to be able to make it. And that will stabilize the living state of the cell, the healthy state where the cell is uh, properly oxidizing glucose and processing fuel and making energy and that will be a signal to the fungus and bacteria around it like hey you don't have to kill me right now I'm okay yeah everything's fine um, so that's the viewpoint that I think that we really hold is to look at what's going on with your body why are you in such a state like that but also if you have some major infection that's like starting to eat away at your toenail and you don't want to lose it there are a couple things that you can try while you're working to improve your chemistry. Um, one of them is uh, grapeseed oil extract is a, a great uh, antifungal. Um, and you can just kind of get the extract from a health food store and just dilute it a little bit and then put it on your toe. Uh, kind of like let it just sit on there and then maybe wrap it with some type of bandage that will hold it on there for a little bit. Um, that can be effective. Another trick is that some people will take apple cider vinegar and put that in some water and then soak their foot in that for about 15 minutes and then they take that out and pat it dry and they do another tub of water with some baking soda in it and think about that that's pushing it very overly alkaline so it's almost like they're doing what we do with digestion with this is they're making it acidic trying to kill what they can that way and then they're putting in an overly alkaline substance to to kill off anything that they can in that manner and kind of hitting it with both hammers so it's kind of an interesting thing to try um, but I think one of my favorites is just coconut oil hmm. is taking a gob of coconut oil and putting it on that infection and uh, letting it sit there um, because coconut oil is not only pro-anabolic but it's very antimicrobial and it can kill a lot of infections uh, just, just on its own. Bathing with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just put it on, like, creamy, cream myself mm -hmm. up all over the place. Yeah. I have been using it on my lips lately. Oh, really? My lips have been really dry, but it's still. Right. And another one that, that people use is uh, tea tree oil. Tea tree oil, too. Um, that they, and a lot of the things that you might buy over the counter, like a, even a natural um, toenail fungus remedy thing that you would buy a lot of them are based in either tea tree oil or grapeseed extract yeah don't let your doctor talk you into taking those pills because you know they, they want to give you pills they want to give you they want to give you a prescription you know for your toenails and stuff and it rarely works and it takes a long time to get rid of and of course it's you know hurting your liver so right and if you wanted if you were feeling like i am i am i might have a fungal issue internally or something like that which there are people out there who feel like every health issue is actually a fungus problem and uh i'm not saying that i'm in that camp but i certainly believe that there's a lot of problems that could come from an, an over uh abundance of you know either bacteria or fungus before a lot of different issues but um, if you feel that way, you know, one thing that's great is just garlic. Garlic is a great antimicrobial that you can take internally. You know, you can eat a lot of garlic or even take garlic pills and um, attack any type of infection from both angles that way. Um, if it's something that's severe that you want to wipe out quickly. Cool. Adam from Parrish, Florida. Can you explain deeper into the blood type diet? seems like we've talked about this in the last month or so 
Mm. Um, so what the way that we kind of view the blood type dyes, it's I think it's something that me and Will both did before and even used with clients uh, before. Didn't you use it with clients before? I never got too into it. Okay, so I, I did for a while and I used it myself um, before I learned how to fix digestion. Um, so do you want to explain a little bit about lectin of the food and how if it's not digested properly, it kind of still has an identity and how different people can react to that? Yeah. So, I mean, the the blood type diet, they'll pitch it as if you're type O, you should eat all these things and you shouldn't eat these. Or if, you, if you're this other type, there's a whole set, uh, a whole diet that's built around that. But when we look at it, um, the factor that we really look at is the known lectin allergies relevant to each type. So each type like O or A has a set of lectins that can irritate and cause like allergic reactions. And a lectin is just like an it's almost an identifier of that food. It's a type yeah, of protein that protein. says, "Hey, this is what I am. I have this identity to me, and this sure. is what I'm all about." Yeah, it's a little protein marker that normally doesn't matter at all because normally our digestive system breaks down and never hits our bloodstream. But if you have perforations in your intestinal tract, which, like for example, gluten can cause then sometimes these foods can get into the bloodstream and the lectins are still present in the bloodstream and they can trigger allergic responses which can cause like autoimmune type reactions and inflammation and all sorts of allergy kind of symptoms. So when someone's digestive system is compromised, it can be a good idea for them to avoid the lectins that are known allergens to their blood type. But if your intestinal tract is intact and working well, then the lectins are kind of a non-issue. Right. And so we, we found that, you know, people make fun of the blood type diet a lot. And we find that it actually can be beneficial for someone who doesn't have their digestion working by just removing the foods that were causing a problem for that person. But we also find that if you just fix your digestion, now you don't have to eat off of this one list and avoid everything else on this other list type thing. So we just don't go into a whole lot of depth in it because we just don't use it anymore. I mean, I, I haven't found, I've exp, I started off by explaining to clients, you can either do this or this. And every client was like, well, I kind of, why don't I just fix things so they work right? <laughs> uh, and I was like, yeah, I guess that's a better idea. Um, but uh, that's kind of why we don't look at it. But one thing that's really interesting is that, you know, I've heard other people talk about that well, you know, this diet is so popular. The, the book has been on the bestsellers list for like a decade or, or something. I mean, a really long time. Um, but one person was like, well, you know, the O-type diet is almost a paleo diet. Like it's very similar in that regard. And um, o, o blood type is the most popular blood type. More people have O than anything else. So it's almost like they're winning just by hitting the percentages right. Uh, by having people eat more real food and the types of foods that we would suggest people eat anyways, um, just because so many people are type O. Yeah, but I'd say it's, it's dangerous, especially for the people that have a type. I don't know which types are supposed to be vegetarian, according to the blood type. seems like it was A, what I remember, but yeah, I can't remember but exactly. But it's like, oh, those people, like, they might really crave like animal protein and really need it. And they might think, oh, I shouldn't have it, though. Right, so because I'm of, type A. Right. So then they have, like, all these digestive, or they have protein deficiencies and endocrine system problems. And then other people might be like, oh, I'm type O, 
but I've been vegan for a long time. I should really like force myself to eat meat. And so they just try to eat meat, but they don't do anything to fix they their can't digestion. Di- yeah, they can't digest right. it. So then they're like, I feel awful. This is not working at all for me. So, you, you know, it, it comes down to like, you need to have good digestion working well for you before any dietary approach is really going to work well for you. And then once it is working really well, you'll probably have a lot of options of what, what you can eat at that point. Right. So one thing that's important, because I had a client that asked, asked me about what I did once, and I was like, well, my, you know, the diets that I talk about are very specific to the person. He's like, oh, well, I already do very specific stuff. It's the blood type diet. That's very specific. And the, the problem is that it makes people think, oh, it's specific to me, but it's not specific to your body and how your body is operating and uh, everything that's going on with how your body is functioning. It's almost like ad- adapting a, na- a diet to how tall somebody is. There are factors that could be at play at that, but it's really not everything. And it's so it is a problem that it misleads people that way. And, and that's one of the reasons that we just don't really use it anymore. All right, if you'd like to learn how to become a health coach or even just dig into more advanced teachings for yourself or your family, go to healthprocourse.com to learn about Tony and Will's course for coaches. Registration for this course only opens to the public for about a week at a time, so be sure to register for the coach newsletter so you'll be notified when the next registration opens. You'll find more info at healthprocourse.com. You know, and in that course, uh, there's like this place where the students talk about the things that they like and the things that we should improve and stuff like that. cafeteria. Right, it's kind of like the cafeteria. Yeah. Um, but apparently, we're awesome. Really? Yeah, like this course is awesome. <clears throat> That's great. I know. Who would have thought that we would do that? Oh, great. He's going to get an even bigger head now. So large. Okay, more questions. All right, Kim from Satellite Beach, Florida. What are your thoughts on fermented foods and drinks? Sure, go I'm ahead. Good. Have some. Don't have lots. Don't go nuts. That's all. Bye-bye. Okay, are we moving on? No, we wrapped that up. But um, So, you know... We have mentioned on other shows before that there's we do like more specific uh, probiotic things when you're going to try and use it for therapeutic uses. Um, some of the fermented foods are just seem to be beneficial, and why not just have some? And it's not a big deal. Um, but some of them are, are not so great. And what we really don't like is somebody who's going to say all right i'm just going to have piles of this do you want to talk about why we don't want to do that yeah so well couple things too much lactate or lactic acid inhibits uh your metabolism the way your cells normally like to make energy lactic acid can get in the way of that and that's a nice story you know and people will go oh well i don't want to have that but they might not get that but there's a lot of other huge problems that really high lactic acid can create, oh, yeah. like panic attacks and you know horrible stuff like that. So yeah. understand that it's not a thing of, oh, this might make some stuff that's not so nice. For some people, it's, it can be a real problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, it can be deadly, like in a diabetic. The ketoacidosis is a big part of that is like the lactate that's, being, that's accumulating. But for other people, which is weight loss concerns, like it slows your metabolism. Then that's a nice trigger word to make yeah, they're you like, done. oh no, no they're I don't done want to, now I don't want to slow my metabolism <laughs> I want to speed my time. so too much lactic acid and lactate will cause that to happen when our cells make energy normally they do produce a type of lactic acid which is called like the molecular little shape of it is known as R lactic acid like that's part of the normal energy production chain and it gets recycled and that's totally cool and normal 
when things are working right, that happens. It's part of the process. So that lactic acid can be used in some form or another or turned into something that everything yeah. works out fine. Yeah, it's part of the regular cellular respiration process. But there can be problems with cellular respiration. Like, for example, if you're doing like a really intense workout or you're at like really high altitude where CO2 and O2 levels are a little bit off, lactic acid can accumulate. And that's like where you get like burning in your legs if you're running really, really fast or doing bicep curls or something like that. So lactic acid will accumulate and that starts to interfere with the cells being able to like continue to make energy. Now that can also happen if there's damage to your cells and they're not making, they're not performing cellular respiration right. Like for example, a diabetic, like say they've had a bunch of polyunsaturated fats over their lifetime and it's getting in the way of the mitochondria making energy. They will start to not be able to perform regular cellular energy production, which is a process called cellular respiration. And instead they'll start to make energy through fermentation. And in that case, instead of making lots of ATP, water, and carbon dioxide, they will instead make a tiny bit of ATP, lactate, and ethanol alcohol. So there's the whole different metabolic waste products, and it's a different type of lactic acid. It's called D-lactic acid. And the problem with too much fermented foods is that a lot of fermented foods, especially the ones that are curdly, like yogurt, like curdled milk, mm -hmm. that's mostly D-lactic acid. And it's a known toxin and a metal, it really interferes with your metabolism. So if you're eating a lot of these like curdled D-lactic acid rich probiotic foods, it's directly inhibiting your metabolism. So right, right. And, and, if, and someone who's already in a state where that's already a problem, they're just magnifying that problem when they're doing that. Yeah. So that's why we get really scared with, you know, like body ecology diet things that are like, hey, let's do piles of lots of everything fermented. Yeah. So like a small amount of it can be helpful, like when we see it benefit the pH of the digestive system, when you have... Like, for example, pickles. Like, that's a that's like a more harmonious kind of lactic acid. It's not a curdly milk product. It's like a fermented food that has our lactic acid primarily. But then if someone's eating like a ton of yogurt and kefir and stuff, usually what we'll see is like when I had a bunch of friends when the body ecology diet first came out, they were all really stoked to be on it for like the first three, four days. And then after two weeks, they're all like, I feel weird, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> their metabolism had just like gotten so impaired by all this excess lactate. So I'm not a huge fan of it. I think it's sometimes helpful, like with kids, when you want to use like a gentle acid instead of hydrochloric acid for their stomach, like a little bit of like lactic acid from pickles is cool or apple cider vinegar. But too much, uh, too much lactic acid in general is bad, and really any of the wrong kind of lactic acid is not helpful. So one way to view this, because you're probably seeing a lot of information of, you know, the gut flora is so important, you got to do all these probiotics, all this kind of stuff. So if you're seeing all that, and then we're saying, yeah, just don't go nuts, um, the viewpoint to have is to understand that the gut flora is as important as everybody is saying. Everything that they're saying about that is really true. It really counts. There's a, a lot of things going on where that's important, but it's more about the ter terrain being right there because if the terrain is right, that gut flora is going to grow. If you just even put in a, a little bit of good stuff, things are going to grow. Um, it's not a situation where you have to dump things in every day and, oh, I didn't put any in today, so I must not have any gut flora today. No, most people have gut flora that's been in there for a long, long time. Um, that's kind of what your appendix does. That's what we believe the appendix is now, is it's like this starter kit 
that if we get some type of horrible diarrhea where flaming poop comes shooting out the back door and wipes out everything in that intestinal tract and fries all of our gut flora, then in the appendix, there's like this little group of starter kit flora bacteria that comes back out and now the the gut can reestablish the good flora there. So these things happen naturally and using the probiotics is beneficial in a lot of situations for a specific amount of time, but just don't feel like it's something you have to do constantly every day and keep pumping it in. And it, yeah, and, and just to reiterate, like it, it really does depend on that environment. So just like your cells can make our lactic acid when they're healthy, or say like a diabetics makes D-lactic acid, same to human cell, it's just like it was damaged and it altered what was the metabolic end products of that cell's process. Same thing with flora. It, a lot of them can switch and make different kinds of lactic acid. Like in certain environments, they'll make R lactic acid, and then in other environments, they'll make more D lactic acid. And it depends a lot on what else you're eating. So, and how fast that food is moving through you, and if the situation is more prone towards regular cellular respiration or fermentation. Cool. All right. Hillary, what does it mean when you take the 11 parameter strip test and the specific gravity of urine is 1.030 and there is a slight reading of bilirubin? What do you do to fix it? That's a good question. Yeah, so you want to talk about what the, what these parameter strips are? Yeah, so and they're one of the, I think, the coolest little self-tests that we have. We can see a lot of different stuff. And she just got a really great insight on what's going on with her with her liver when we see bilirubin on a urine dipstick. So the 11 parameter dipstick measures the presence of 11 different things. One of those... Of urine. Uh, yeah, and urine. So you pee on this little... Uh, in a cup, and you dip the strip in it, and then it shows you these reagent markers. So the urine, uh, which you said the 1.030 is measuring the specific gravity, and then there's other markers that can show if there's bilirubin or urobilogen. And the presence of either of those things will give you really good insight as to if bile is flowing properly or if it's refluxing back into the blood. So usually bile should go out through the colon, so it shouldn't be in your urine at all. It should be in your poo, which is part of that. But if it's not, if it's blocked for a lot of different potential reasons, then instead of going out through the biliary pathway, it can reflux back into the liver and then back into the bloodstream, and then your kidneys filter it out and you pee it out. So what we see is like there's something impairing bile flow most likely in this individual, and that's a really huge thing to start. Like that's a big priority to get that going so you fix a lot of things by fixing bile flow. yeah so taking like bead flow and coffee depositories and things like that and, and make sure you're getting the right kinds of fats and all that can help you improve your bile flow and if you do it successfully then pretty soon within like days you should be able to not see bilirubin in your urine anymore so that's a big marker and then the this urine specific gravity we like to generally see it around 15 instead of 30 Right, so what that can indicate is that there's just some extra filth, sediment or something that's that's thickening that urine up and that maybe the body's trying to remove excess stuff through the urine that didn't get removed correctly elsewhere. So what we like about this uh, 11 parameter strip is that sometimes you can see things that like back each other up. Like when you see a specific gravity that's higher like that, that backs up that, okay, the body can't remove filth through the bile like it's supposed to out the back door, so now it's trying to get stuff 
to remove from the body through the urine. So now we can confirm that, okay, this, this seems to be a bile flow issue. Yeah, yeah, that that is one possible thing we see a lot of times. And other times we'll see maybe the person isn't drinking enough water, so that's kind of more concentrated sediment in their urine. Maybe the water's going to the wrong place. Maybe the water's going mostly out what of the about, colon. Like, urinary tract infections? What do you see with that? You'll you'll usually see like um, nitrate, leukocytes, oh, leukocytes okay. in the urine. Those, you'll be very clear markers if you have a urinary tract infection. But there are, there are other markers on the on the dipstick. But uh, we tend to see like with that more water going out through the colon and less through the kidneys and also more cellular debris, we tend to see like the higher urine-specific gravity in, um, in catabolic people. Right. We view that as a catabolic marker. That doesn't mean a person's catabolic, but if the cells are breaking down a whole bunch and you're peeing out some of that debris, then that can be a view of, hey, you're probably leaning to catabolic. So the, the first thing to improve what you're seeing on your test is, of course, is to get bile to flow correctly. All right. And then, uh, you know, next thing is look at other markers that might be making that urine. But what what kind of steps do you feel like she should take first to improve bile flow? Um, well, I would say, like, it's good to start with our, our known go-to effective tools of doing taking beet flow, maybe doing a beet flow flush, uh, coffee suppositories like Xenoplex, um, eating the right kinds of uh fats but also a limited amount so she's not overwhelming her system right she, she's not able to digest fats most people when they do a beet flow flush which is you know you use beet flow per meal but then maybe one day you do four capsules every 30 minutes for two hours and then we call that a beet flow flush and it seems to really boost the effect of thinning the bile so it can flow but for a lot of people it takes a lot more than that if it's been backed up and thick and sticky for decades it can take a while to get it flowing but i think the most effective trick we see is to see someone do a beet flow flush on one day and then the next day do a coffee suppository that really seems to hit it from both angles and help things get moving well and it it also seems to work better for people that aren't still really overwhelming their liver with medications or other toxic junk. yeah and it's not like we have any place to say whether or not you should be on medications or not that's totally up to you and your doctor but just know that like your your liver is really critical and if it's being overwhelmed with medications it may be slower to respond to these natural therapeutic sort of modalities right yeah you're not gonna you know if if you're trying to thin your bile, but let's say that maybe you're on a birth control that raises estrogen levels and it appears that estrogen has the ability to really thicken bile. So if you're taking natural steps to thin bile, but you're taking pharmaceutical steps to basically thicken bile, the pharmaceutical is going to win every time. I mean, that's like a locomotive coming at you and you're going to stop it with a pair of scissors. You're not going to stop it. Um, so you have to figure that out with your doctor, what steps you know, you can reduce or change or any aspect of that. Um, we have seen some people use beet flow while they were still uh, even on birth control and see some improvement, but in many cases we see where they can't over overcome what the medication is doing. But but that does not mean we're saying to stop your medication. But, um, but just know that some people need to do more than just one thing to really get it moving. They need to get a little aggressive in the short term so they can get it flowing. And then when you do another test strip, if Billy Rubin's not on there, you know you did some things that, that are starting to improve the situation. 
All right, today's show is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And just uh, remember, you have net till next week. Go to iTunes or Stitcher, leave a review, and you'll be entered in to win all those prizes for episode 100. 100. If you want to learn more about how to look at your own chemistry, you can read any of Tony's books or take the free four-week digestion course at kickitinthenuts.com or head on over to willsmybodyofknowledge.net and check out his page. Lots of great articles, blogs, and exercises on there. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Learn more about today's topic by becoming a KIY member and gain access to our members-only podcast episodes. That's where we dig deeper into each topic and share the secrets that help our clients and coaches see such amazing results. You'll also gain access to our private support group where you can ask us questions when you get stuck. It's only $9 a month and you get free shipping at naturalreference.com, which can save you like $9 a month. So do the math and join the Kick It Yourself KIY gang. Go to kickitnaturally.com forward slash KIY and we'll see you on the inside.